0: I am not a wealthy man, uh, certainly not compared to my neighbors and other people who live in my town. Um, I don't know if you've seen my neighbor's house. It's huge and big yard. Um, I am not wealthy, but I have things that money can't buy. My children are healthy. My wife is a, a huge support in my life. We've had a lot of good memories together as a family. We've had adventures together and uh, we're very happy. Uh, but with the, with the limited resources I do have, I've made, on occasion, what my wife calls an impulse buy. One time I bought a little ewe lamb. And uh, I, I don't know what I was thinking, buying this little ewe lamb. My neighbor makes it look so easy. He's got sheep and cattle, and his flocks just keep growing and growing. And, and maybe I you know, thought... I could start a flock, and you know, I just need one lamb. Or, as my wife said, you actually need two to to start the flock. But you can't have two unless you buy the first one. And and uh, when I got to the market, the only one I could afford was the tiniest little ewe lamb. Uh, She was never going to lamb herself. We could tell right away. Um, She wasn't going to give us milk. there was, even if I could afford a little ram lamb, which I can't, uh, she was, um, it was clear looking at her that uh, her, her future wasn't so bright. But at least we could have one feast. We, we don't eat a lot of meat. You see, we're very poor. And this, this lamb could, could be a, a feast for us, and we could feel wealthy just for one night, maybe. We could, we could have uh, the richness of that together as a family. And I was really looking forward to that until I got home. And I knew right away, day one, that the feast was not gonna happen. It was when the children petted the little lamb. Uh, I knew that the feast was uh, not gonna happen, it was over. At that point, she was a uh, lap sheep. Perhaps you've heard of a lap dog. We had a lap sheep. Pathetic, I know, but certainly cute. Uh, You know how kids are with their pets. And and once they named her Yui, they named her Yui, the little ewe lamb. Yui was just part of the family from that point forward. It's hard to blame them. She's so adorable and so tiny and frail and um, so soft and cuddly. And it's not that she doesn't get into any trouble, she wanders off into the neighbor's yard. He hates that. My neighbor, as many animals as he has, they're all in the upper field, far away from his house. He doesn't want to see them. He doesn't want to smell them. He wants nothing to do with animals close to his house. So he chases her off, and that really upsets my neighbor. And one time she chewed up my best pair of sandals. I tried to get angry, but she looked at me with her little lamb eyes, and there was... There was it was hopeless. I don't even—I don't even rebuke the children when they feed her people food off the table. I just kind of pretend not to notice. I think that little lamb sometimes ate better than I did. I'm not even sure I was the sort of running the house anymore uh, once the the uh, Yui, the lamb, was in in the house, and I would I would pretend at least to get angry when. She was up on the furniture, sitting in my chair. Yeah, that wasn't good. But don't don't tell my children. But at nighttime, she'd jump up onto the bed. And I I wouldn't kick her off the bed. Because she'd curl up next to us. And I don't know if you've ever had a heated blanket. But a sheep is like having a heated pillow lying there. And on a cold night or on a... Cold day like today, having a heated sheep, not a bad thing. So cute. Well, one night there was a, a sound outside. It kind of startled us awake, and Huey woke up, and I woke up, and we, we looked out the window, and it was a visitor. There was a traveler visiting my neighbor's house. And my neighbor, he's so famous or popular. I don't know. He always has visitors coming and going. Nobody ever visits our little house. But he's got visitors coming, but not usually in the middle of the night like this, which is really unfortunate for my neighbor. I actually felt bad for him for once because it's our custom that if you visit somebody that they prepare a meal for you, regardless of the hour. And there in the middle of the night, I knew that he was going to have to provide hospitality for this traveler. I was grateful that night to be able to just roll over, cover up, and go back to sleep. But that night, I didn't notice, but Yui got out the door. The kids, again, they left the door unlatched. I tell them, shut the door. I know the lamb's inside, but it's not a barn. But they leave the door unlatched. Yui goes outside. She's very curious. She went over to see what was happening, I'm sure. And my wealthy neighbor with all his cattle and all his sheep, he couldn't uh, bother himself to go up to his upper fields to get one of his sheep. He, could, he, was, he w- was so lazy, he wouldn't even wake up one of his servants to go and, and get a sheep. Instead, he picked up Yui. She loves to be picked up. She's not afraid of people. She loves to be held and petted. But instead of petting her, he slit her throat. And he fed her to his guests. It's quite a story. Do you feel that? King David was told that story. And it was told to him by the prophet Nathan. The prophet Nathan was a companion, sort of a co-worker with him. They were close They had a trusted relationship. But in this moment, their relationship was was going to be tested in a severe way. Nathan is confronting David about his sin. But Nathan was a man who trusted God and listened to God, and he brought God's message to David in the form of this story. And in that moment, David felt it. He felt the sin deep inside. And when he, he has this visceral reaction to the story, Second Samuel 12, chapter 5 says, David burned with anger against that man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Now, yes, the penalty for stealing someone's sheep, taking someone's sheep in God's law, was to pay it back four times. Which, in this case, would have been very easy for the wealthy man to just give four lambs back. But David knew that this was a much worse crime than just stealing one sheep. So David says, the man who did this must die and the prophet Nathan looks at him and says, You are that man. It's you. You're the one who stole the sheep. You're the one who killed. See, David is being confronted about a sin that he had committed. And in that very moment, and in his anger, in, in this, this, all this emotion that the story is, is digging up in David, he realizes his sin. David had a soldier, uh, a man named Uriah, a Hittite. And Uriah was a, a good soldier. He was loyal to David. He was with David in the good times and in the bad times. And when David was on the run, Uriah was there with him. And he was listed as one of David's mighty men, one of his faithful followers, a loyal servant. And one day, when David really should have been with his troops, his troops were out fighting. He stayed back. And he's at his palace. In Jerusalem, and it was a hot night, and he goes on the roof of his palace uh, to, to get some fresh air, some cool air. And he looks out, and he sees a woman, and she's bathing. And he can see that she's very beautiful. He asks about her, and he was told very clearly, This is the wife of Uriah, your faithful soldier, your faithful servant. So David knew that, but nonetheless, he sends for the woman. He sleeps with her, she becomes pregnant. David tries to cover this up. His first attempt to cover this up doesn't work. So he sends instructions to the battlefield to put Uriah on the front of the lines and the men would withdraw, leading to Uriah's certain death. And he did, he died in battle. David takes his wife as his own at this point. Perhaps David thinks now he's gotten away with it. I mean, this woman is pregnant um, by her husband, perhaps, and then he's killed, and now it's his wife, and people will not get what happens. And even if he thinks he's covered it up, God sends a messenger to confront him. Nathan says, hey, can I run a case by you? David gets angry at this story. Nathan says, this story is about you. You are the man in this story. And this is what Nathan said to David in verse 7. He said, you're the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house to you, your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. Three things I want us to take from this. The first is from Nathan Thank God for Nathan. Thank God that he allows us to feel our sin. That God allows us to recognize the sin in our life. Because when we feel it, and when we recognize it, then we can turn from it. We can repent from it. Nathan had good intentions here. He wasn't trying to take David down. He wasn't trying to get him or catch him in his sin. He he wanted to rebuke him, yes, and... For David to realize his sin, but the goal was repentance, and Nathan walked with David after this through and again the the, the consequences of what happened here throughout his life. I heard it once said you know don 't point out the dirt unless you 're willing to wash the feet and Here Nathan, as, as he brings this uh, to David, walks with him through this afterwards, but it's, it's a Nathan, it's, it's having someone in your life who can do that, who's willing to confront you about your sin, or being a Nathan for someone else, lovingly going to somebody to point out when something is off. To, you know, who are those people who have permission to do that in your life? or Who has that sort of hunting license in your life as a friend? It allows us to feel our sin. Charles Spurgeon, who I love to quote, he said, I do not believe that any sinner is ever forgiven until he consents in his soul to the justice of God if he should never be forgiven. He must know that he is a sinner and that sin is an exceedingly evil and bitter thing for which he deserves to be sent to hell. And when he reaches that point, then pardon can come to him. We need to feel it and know it. I can know that bears are dangerous. I was raised to New Hampshire to know that you know, if you encounter a bear, that's a dangerous thing. But it wasn't until I came face to face with a bear and I was only holding a fly rod that I felt it. You feel the danger. And God needs us to feel how bad our sin is, that he is a holy God and that we are sinful people and we need to repent of our sin. And maybe even today you feel it. You know it's there. You've been maybe thinking you could hide it from people around you, but you cannot hide it from God. We need to repent. Secondly, the second takeaway here is to watch out for, this is from David, to watch out for David's judgment. David was so angry towards this man who had taken the little lamb. And he was seething, but it was his own sin that he was angry at. And we do that. When somebody struggles with something that we struggle with, we tend to be uh, more judgmental towards them and harsher towards them. I don't struggle with opioid addiction. That might be good to, good news to you. I don't struggle with that. And when I see people who do and when I hear about people who do, it breaks my heart. It's, uh, I have a great compassion to people who struggle with that. But when I see somebody get defensive in an argument in an unnecessary way, that, oh, that gets me but that's the one I struggle with. When, when your heart is so uh, angry at another person because of their behavior, we need to be careful. And even Jesus said, "Judge, do not judge or you will be judged for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It's not that Jesus said you can't, have, you can't judge or have a judgment about anything. He's just saying be careful with the measure in which you judge other people's sin. Because judgment is not a one-way street. That we all struggle with sin. And we perhaps get even more upset with others when they're doing the very thing that we struggle with. You need to watch out for the judgment of David. Third takeaway is from Bathsheba. That's her name. She's only referred to here as Uriah's wife. In the Gospel of Matthew, in, the, in his genealogy of the, the, the lineage of Jesus, just calls her Uriah's wife. Because this isn't about Bathsheba so much. It's about David and his sin. And Uriah, who was killed because of David's sin. And we don't know how complicit Bathsheba is in all this. Per, I mean... Perhaps she had no choice in this matter. When the king called for her, she could not refuse. But if she could refuse, and she could have denied the request to see the king, then I look at it differently. If he's up on the rooftop kind of peeping at her, that's one thing. If she's intentionally in front of the king, being immodest, I look at that differently. Uh, it's, it, we don't know the answer to some of those. I tend to think she's sort of an innocent uh, Party in this, but um, but we look at the lineage of Jesus and we see her, Uriah's wife, is the the mothers of Jesus. We're calling the sermon series these four women plus Mary who are mentioned uh, in the in the line in, in of Jesus, and their names stand out to us because they're the, the women are named and they stand out to us because they are it's it's messy. But she fits into God's family. You know your, your lineage, your genealogy, it's like your resume. It's where you came from. It's your people. And if there's embarrassing things or things that are odd, you want to hide them and put them away. But the Bible doesn't shy away from this. Matthew goes out of his way to say, Oh, by the way, Solomon, a very famous king, was born to David by Uriah's wife. There's a messiness to all of this. And for us, what you feel, the, the messiness of your life, the things that, you, that uh, your neighbors have that you wish you had, or somebody else's life that you wish your life was more like theirs, when you drill down into those lives, you're going to see messiness and you're going to see sin and brokenness. We see it in all of Jesus' ancestors. We see it in other people's lives. And when we drill down into our own lives, there's the messiness and the brokenness. And the sin. And we want to hide those things and we want to put them away. But it's the it's the God of the universe, the God of grace and mercy, who wants to reach into those very places, the things that you want to hide, the things that you're embarrassed about your life. God wants to touch those things and show his mercy and grace in those exact areas. So we just embrace the messiness and say, God, this is where I am. I got myself into this, and these things were done to me, and so I've contributed, and the world has contributed to this mess of my life, and God says, yeah, that's the mess I love. That's the mess that Jesus died for, and that's the mess I want to heal. So we embrace it. Jesus came to bring light into darkness as we put our faith in him. All the messiness of your life of this year, all the messiness of the isolation and the troubles and the uh, financial issues and all of that, this is where God wants to touch and to heal. And he's doing his thing, and we can put our faith in him. Let's pray. Father, help us to take this confrontation and this story and the visceral response to it, Lord. And this is the great mess of all that this was. Help us to take it and and change our hearts. We thank you that as we feel our sin, that we can turn to you and you forgive us because Jesus, your lamb, your perfect lamb, gave his life for us on the cross. And Because of that, we turn to you. We receive your grace. And we give you the glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.